chapter forty eight of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter forty eight a breathless disinterment by this time we were up to all the ins and outs of everything a sailor has such a knowledge of knots and the clever art of splicing that you cannot play loose tricks in trying on a yarn with him jerry toms and i were ready long before that day was out to tie up our minds in a bowline knot and never more undo them jerry went even beyond my views as was sure to be because he knew so much less of the matter he would have it that parson chowne had choked the two children without any aid and then in hatred and mockery of the noble british uniform had buried them deep in braunton burrows wearing a cockade for a shovel-hat purely by way of outrage on the other hand while i agreed with jerry up to a certain distance i knew more of parson chowne whom he never had set eyes upon than to listen to such rubbish and while we agreed in the main so truly and thoroughly praised each other's wisdom all the people in the house made so highly much of us that jerry forgot the true line of reasoning even before nine o'clock at night and dissented from my conclusions so widely and with so much arrogance that it did not grieve me after he got up to have knocked him down like a ninepin however in the morning he was all right and being informed upon every side that the cook did it with the rolling-pin he acknowledged the justice of it having paid more attention to her than a married lady should admit though parted from her husband however she forgave him nobly and he did the same to her and i with all my knowledge of women made a vow in the presence of the lady housekeeper that my only uneasiness was to be certain whether i ought to admire the more jerry's behaviour or mrs cook's and the cook had no certainty in the morning exactly what she might have done this little matter made a stir far beyond its value and having some knowledge of british nature i proposed to the comitatus with deference both to the cook and housekeeper also a glance at the first housemaid that we should right all misunderstanding by dining together comfortably an hour before the usual time because as i clearly expressed it yet most inoffensively our breakfast had been ruined by a piece i might say of misconstruction overnight between two admirable persons and heaviside came in just then and put the cap on all of it by saying that true sailors were the greatest of all sportsmen therefore in honour of our arrival he had asked and got leave from the gamekeepers to give a great rabbiting that afternoon down on braunton burrows and he hoped that mrs cockhanterbury being the lady housekeeper would grace the scene with her presence and let every maid come to the utmost heaviside's speech though nothing in itself neither displaying any manner at all was received with the hottest applause and for some time jerry and i had to look at one another without any woman to notice us we made allowance for this of course although we did not like it for after all who was heaviside 
but we felt so sorely the ill effects of the absence of perfect harmony upon the preceding evening when all our male members of the human race took more or less the marks of knuckles that a sense of stiffness helped us to make no objection to anything and tenfold thus when we saw how the maids had made up their minds for frolicking these young things must have their way as well as the nobler lot of us for they really have not so very much less of mind than higher women have and they feel what a woman is too well to push themselves so forward they know their place and they like their place and they tempt us down into it be that either way and now unwomanly women waste their good brains upon a trifle of this kind rabbiting was to be our sport and no sooner was the dinner done and ten minutes given to the maids to dress than every dog on the premises worth his salt was whistled for it would have amused you to see the maids or i might say all the womankind coming out with their best things on and their hair done up and all pretending never even to have seen a looking-glass madame heaviside as she commanded all people to entitle her was of the whole the very grandest as regards appearance also in manner and carrying on but of this i have no time to speak enough that the former naval instructor thought it wiser to keep his own place and let her flirt with the gamekeepers we had dogs and ferrets and nets and spades and guns for those who were clever enough to keep from letting them off at all and to frighten the women without any harm there must have been five-and-twenty of us in number altogether besides at least a score of children who ran down from braunton village when they saw what we were at there was no restraint laid upon us by any presence of the gentry for sir philip was not in the humour for sport and the squire of course kept himself to his room and as for the captain we had no token of his return from south devon yet therefore we had the most wonderful fun enjoying the wildness of the place and the freshness of the river air and wilfulness of the sand-hills also the hide-and-seek of the rushes and the many ups and downs and pleasure of helping the young women in and out also how these latter got if they had any feet to be proud of into rabbit-holes on purpose to be lifted out of them and fill the rosettes of their shoes and have them dusted by a naval man's very best pocket-handkerchief together with the difficulty of standing on one foot while doing it or having it done to them and a fear of breathing too much out after smothered rabbit at dinner-time which made their figures look beautiful enough that i took my choice among them for consideration and jotted down the names of three who must have some cash from their petticoats let nobody for a moment dream that i started with this intention the rest of my life was to be devoted to the royal navy if only a hot war should come again of which we already felt simmerings but i could not regard all these things after so many years at sea without some desire for a further acquaintance with the meaning of everything at sea we forget a great deal of their ways when we come ashore there they are again this is a very childish thing for a man like me to think of nevertheless i do fall back from perfect propriety sometimes never as regards money but when my feelings are touched by the way in which superior young women try to catch me or when my opinion is asked 
conscientiously as to cordials and this same afternoon the noble clearness of the sun and air and the sound of merry voices glancing where all the world unless it were soft sand would have echoed them and the sense of going sporting which is half the game of it these and other things as well as the fatness of the rapids backs and great skill not to bruise them led the whole of us more or less into contemplation of nature's beauties we must have killed more than a hundred and fifty conies in one way and another when heaviside came up almost at a run to a hill where jerry toms and i were sitting down to look about a bit and to let the young women admire us what's the matter said i not liking to be interrupted thus matter enough he panted out where is madame the lord keep her away madame has gone down to the water-side said jerry though i frowned at him together with that smart young fellow i forget his name under keeper they call him hurrah my hearties cried heaviside that is luck and no mistake now lend a hand every lubber of you her pet dog snap is in the sand with the devil to pay and no pitch hot if we take long to get him out again we knew what he meant for several dogs of an over-zealous character had got into premature burial in the rabbit galleries through the stupidity of people who crowded upon the cone over them some had been dug out alive and some dead according to what their luck was and now we were bound to dig out poor snap and woe to us all if we found him dead i took the biggest spade as well as the entire command of all of us and we started at quick step for the place which heaviside pointed out to us he told us so far as his breath allowed that his small brown terrier snap had found a rabbit of tender age hiding in a tuft of rushes snap put all speed on at once but young bunny had the heels of him and flipped up her tail at the mouth of a hole with an air of defiance which provoked snap beyond all discretion he scarcely stopped to think before he plunged with a yelp into the hole while another and a wiser dog came up and shook his ears at it for a little while they heard poor snap working away in great ecstasy scratching at narrow turns and yelping when he almost got hold of fur heavy side stood in his heavy way whistling into the entrance hole which went down from a steep ascent with a tuft of rushes over it but snap was a great deal too gamesome a dog to come back even if he heard him meanwhile a lot of bulky fellows who could do no more than clap their hands got on the brow of the burrow and stamped and shouted to snap to dig deeper then of a sudden the whole hill slided as a hollow fire does and cast a great part of itself into a deep gully on the north of it and those great louts who had sent it down so found it very hard and never deserved to get their clumsy legs out no wonder that heaviside had made such a run to come and fetch us for snap must be now many feet underground and the naval instructor knew what it would be to go home to nanette without him he stood above the slip and listened and there was no bark of snap while to my mind came back strangely thoughts of the five poor sons of scar and of the little child dwelling in sand forlorn and abandoned bardy dig away my lads dig away i cried from force of memory and setting example to every one i have seen a thing like this before it only wants quick digging we dug and dug and drove our pit through several decks 
of rabbit births and still i cried dig on my lads although they said it was hopeless then suddenly some one struck something hard and cried hallo and frightened us we crowded round and i took the lead and made the rest keep back from me in right of superior discipline and thence i heaved out a beautiful cocked hat of a british captain of the royal navy with snap inside of it and not quite dead such a cheer and sound arose the moment that snap gave a little sniff from universal excitement and joy with heavy side at the head of it that i feared to be hoisted quite out of the hole and mounted on human shoulders this i like well enough now and then having many a time deserved without altogether ensuing it but i could not stop to think of any private triumph now the whole of my heart was hot inside me through what i was thinking of that poor honest fellow who so eschewed the adornment of the outward man and carried out pure christianity so as to take no heed of what he wore or whether he wore anything whatever yet who really felt for people of a weaker cultivation to such an extreme that he hardly ever went about by day much this noble man had given evidence such as no man who had lost respect by keeping a tailor could doubt of in itself it was perspicuous and so was the witness before he put up with a sack in order to tender it the whole force of this broke upon me now while the others were showing the hat round or blowing into the little dog's nostrils and with a rabbit's tail tickling him because in a single glance i had seen that the hat was our captain bampfylde's and then i thought of old sir philip striding sadly along these burrows for ever seeking something dig away dig away my lads never mind the little dog let the maiden see to him under our feet there is something now worth a hundred thousand dogs all the people stood and stared and thought that i was off my wits and but for my uniform not one would ever have stopped to hearken me it was useless to speak to heaviside the whole of his mind was exhausted by anxiety as to his wife's little dog no sleep could he see before him for at least three lunar months unless little snap came round again so i had to rely on myself alone and jerry toms and two gamekeepers all these were for giving up because i can tell you it is no joke to throw out spadeful after spadeful of this heavy deceitful sand with half of it coming back into the hole and the place where you stand not steadfast and the rushes were combing darkly over us showing their ginger-coloured roots and with tufts of jagged eyebrows threatening overwhelment for our lives we worked away with me as seems to be my fate compelled to be the master and all the people looking down and ready to revile us if we could not find a stirring thing but we did find a stirring thing exactly as i will tell you for suddenly my spade struck something soft something which returned no sound and yet was firm enough to stop or at any rate to clog the tool although it was scarcely twilight yet and many people stood around us a feeling not of fear so much as horror seized upon me because this was not like the case of digging out poor bodies smothered by accident or the will of god but was something far more dreadful proof to wit of atrocious murder done by villainy of mankind upon two little helpless babes so that i scarce could hold the spade when a piece of white linen appeared through the sand and then some tresses of long fair hair and then 
two little hands crossed on the breast and a set of small toes sticking upward and close at hand lay another young body of about the same size or a trifle larger at this terrible sight the deepest breath of awe drew through all of us and several of the women upon the hill shrieked and dropped and the children fled and the men feared to come any nearer even my three or four fellow-diggers leaped from the hole with alacrity leaving me all by myself to go on with this piteous disinterment for a moment i trembled too much to do so and leaned on my spade in the dusky grave watching the poor little things and loath to break with sacrilegious hands such innocent and eternal rest ye pure and stainless souls i cried hovering even now above us in your guardian angel's arms and appealing for judgment on your icy-hearted murderer pardon me for thus invading in the sacred cause of justice the calm sleep of your tenements in this sad and solemn moment with all the best spectators moved to tears by my deep eloquence as well as their own rich sympathies it struck me that the legs of one of the corpses stuck up rather strangely i had not been taken aback at all by the bright preservation of hands and toes because i knew well what the power of sand is when the air is kept far away but it was dead against all my experience that even a baby eight years buried should have that muscular power of leg without any further hesitation up i caught the nearest of them being desperate now to know what would be the end of it three or four women whose age had passed from lying in to laying out now ran down the hill in great zealousness but though their profession is perhaps the most needful of all yet invented by human nature there was no exercise for it now for behold in the evening light and on the brink of the grave were laid two very handsome and large dutch dolls clad in their nightgowns and looking as fresh as when they left the doll-maker's shop the sand remained in their hair of course and in their linen but fell away by reason of its dryness from their faces and hands and feet the whole of which were of fine hard wax but the joints of their arms and legs had stiffened from having no children to work them also their noses had been spoiled at some stage of their obsequies and upon the whole it seemed hard to say whether their appearance was more ludicrous or deplorable however that matter was settled for them by the universal guffaw of the fellows who had been scared of their scanty wits not more than two minutes since but all of whom now were as brave as lions to make laughter at my expense this is a thing which i never allow but very soon put a stop to it and so i did now without any hard words but turning their thoughts discreetly come my lads i said we have done a better turn to the gentleman who feeds us than if we had found two thousand babies such as you ran away from rally round me if you have a spark of courage in your loutish bodies you little know how much hangs on this while in your clumsy witless way you are making a stupid joke of it mr heaviside i pray you seek for me mistress cock hanterbury while i knock down any rogue who shows the impudence to come near me every man pulled his proud stomach in when i spoke of the lady housekeeper who was a tartar high up on a shelf allowing no margin for argument she appeared in the distance as managing women always do when called upon 
and she saw the good sense of what little i said and she laid them all under my orders End of chapter forty eight